Hello, and welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about productivity. It's going to be a little bit more of a career-oriented podcast, but I want to say that this topic is actually really important in wildlife and conservation work, and it's really something that is overlooked, and that's why I'm talking about it. When I was in graduate school or even as a postdoc, I felt so overwhelmed with work to do. And I know that many other people out there feel exactly the same way. There's several reasons for this. One is that there's just a lot of problems to work on regarding wildlife and conservation. Human growth keeps increasing and therefore we keep on having issues with habitat destruction and loss, human wildlife conflict interactions. We have of course climate change so there are so many things for us to work on. But another big component to this is the support that we have, or I should say the lack of support. It's one thing if the problems are increasing, but you have the funding to be able to hire for a lot of positions to be able to uh, employ people to help solve these problems. But we don't have that in wildlife and conservation work. Our field is very poorly funded compared to other fields. And although the data and trends show that conservation nature jobs are increasing, they're not increasing at the same level as people who want to enter the career or graduate. I remember this was a big topic when I was in graduate school and President Bush was, was president. And there was a lot of conversation about government jobs not being not being filled so people would retire and rather than hire somebody new to get that government position a new employment opportunity for somebody they would actually close the position and divide the work amongst people who were already working there or just put it all on another person another option that has been popular is unpaid work. So paying volunteers or having internships for positions that are really jobs in some cases, like full-blown jobs that that should be paid for. Now, there's definitely instances where you can have an internship and stuff, but these are like really like positions that are career positions. So long story short, people in this field really have a lot to do. It's really important, therefore, that we be productive so that we can efficiently work on conservation problems and smartly work on conservation um, and wildlife problems. As many of I am now an entrepreneur, I listen to a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts. I listen to a, or I read a lot of, yeah, I listen to them too. I listen to audiobooks. I read a lot of books and I take courses. And the mindset between scientists and entrepreneurs 
is so different. And really, scientists can learn so much from the entrepreneurial world. I have just learned that so many of the things that we are doing is just such a slow an inefficient way to do things. So here I'm going to share with you one of my biggest tips. I might get into some more smaller tips, but it's really the most important tip and it might surprise you. So make sure you stay tuned in and listen to the rest of the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, an unconventional wildlife biologist who never fit the scientist stereotype. In this podcast, I share with you my insights as a scientist and offer you real talk on wildlife research, conservation, and advice on this unusual career. Being a wildlife biologist is not what you think it is. Join me to learn what science is really like and how to become the best version of yourself so you can thrive, effectively conserve nature, and enjoy this beautiful life we share with so many other beings. Let's get started. Let's talk about productivity. This is actually really timely because even though I had it on my podcast planner as what to talk about this week, it just happened to be a week of my life that I was really stressed out. I was really having some issues. And since I've gone on this journey of really mastering my mind, like taking control of it, I haven't had those feelings of overwhelm. I have, but not to the extent that I used to. I am so much better than I used to. But this week, to be honest, I felt like how I used to feel, like incredibly anxious, doubting my abilities, honestly, like not wanting to face the day. And this is how I felt often during graduate school, which is quite sad, But I would wake up in the morning and felt like I had so much to do and that it was so difficult for me to do that I just didn't even want to face it. I didn't even want to open up my planner or go to my computer and be bombarded with emails and just all of the tasks of my day that I had to. So I started to feel that again this week. I am much better now and I'm much better because I am going to share with you today one of the major ways that I become productive and overcome any resistance that I'm feeling. I really could write a course on productivity. And actually, I I am. I'm doing that soon. And I'm going to be um, offering it as one of my bonuses with a successful wildlife professional program that I offer. I'm going to be doing this, I think, in a couple of weeks. I haven't nailed down the exact timeline yet. But if you're interested, make sure you go to my website, fancyscientist.com, and get signed up for the email newsletters. You'll receive um, you'll receive updates about when that is going on. Also in my program, The Successful Wildlife Professional, I had a student ask me this a form of this question, but she was really struggling with productivity and prioritization and then also wanting to accomplish something 
that that she wanted to, <laughs> but she kept on putting it off. And I can definitely relate to this. Something is important that you want to work on, but for some reason you don't do it. And there's a lot of like tips and tricks I could teach you. There's things that have to do with your energy level and the time of the day and about like the Pomodoro method where you like work 20 minutes and you take five minutes off and stuff like that. So I really could, and I'm gonna talk about a lot of these things in my course, but really the nuts and bolts of productivity and working on something that you want to work on but are not working on for some reason has to do with your mind and it has to do with overcoming resistance. So your brain has what a lot of people call like this monkey mind. You're just like constantly thinking of all these different things and evolutionarily it has to deal with our our fear of something out there that's going to harm us and this helped us when we were living in more more natural settings where even though we live alongside wildlife now, a lot of us live in homes where wildlife just can't come in. So in the hunter-gatherer days, you were constantly looking out for that danger. Now, a lot of our problems, not I don't want to say made up, but they're not like life-threatening. It's things like missing your deadlines or not getting your work done, things like that. And so we're constantly having these racing minds then thinking about these things because we don't have those basic fears anymore. I don't have to walk outside and worry if there's a tiger around the corner going to try to kill me. So my mind goes to worry about other things. Therefore, in order to be productive, you have to understand what is going on in your brain and you have to conquer that. This is something that I do to really set myself up for understanding the importance of what I want to do. And then this acts as a driver. A lot of people think that I am really motivated, really passionate. I get a lot of things done. And that's true. And I don't mean to to toot my own horn. I, I am all those things. I am really motivated. I love creating content for you guys. I have so many different ideas. If you open up my Evernote, you'll see like hundreds of ideas for blog posts that I never got around. After I finished creating the Successful Wildlife Professional Program, I have the kids program I fully want to develop. So I am constantly thinking of all these different things. Oh, I should add too, I was invited to write a children's book this month. So that is something else that I added on that that's part of the reasons why I was feeling so overwhelmed. I'm writing this children's book, which was super fun. I really love doing. And I actually was invited to help out with another children's book. So I was really debating if I should do that or not I, because I felt so overwhelmed. But I decided I wanted the experience. So I said yes to that. On top of that, I am shooting for The Proof is Out There again, which is a show on the History Channel. So I am going to be filming that next month and have um, some interviews with the producers coming up soon. I feel like I have a bunch on my plate. So I need to master my mind. And the reason why I am able to produce so much is because... I really tap into 
the importance of what I am doing. And I constantly remind myself that. And I want to say that the motivation that I have, it's not like it just happened. It's not like I just sat here and waited to be motivated. That is not how motivation works. And Or maybe it is, but it's not an effective way to do things. So don't rely on motivation. Cultivate your brain and create the habits that allow you to do things, that force you to do things when you don't want to do them. And we'll talk about about how we do that. The first thing that I do, and I actually did this recently for my business, it was an exercise advised by my coach, and It's to go into, first you want to identify what you want. And then you want to go into why you want that. And you want to ask yourself that seven times and each time based on the answer that you gave before. So let's use a uh, non-science example. Say you want to exercise five days a week but you are not exercising at all and you feel bad about it. You're not happy. You're constantly feeling like, why don't I exercise? Like I should be exercising. What's wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to exercising, you don't do it. And like I said, there could be habits and things like that that you need to shift But those things aren't going to shift unless your identity shifts the way you view yourself. And you get to that point, part of the, or part of the way that you get to that point is you ask yourself these why questions. You really root in a deep meaning to what you are doing. So I want to work out for five days a week. May sound frivolous let's say okay so I I do believe it's important so it's funny for me to say frivolous but maybe I don't know maybe somebody's trying to lose weight and they're really not overweight they just want to look better so that can seem like a really frivolous reason or something like that so you want to attach that strong meaning to it you have this desire to do this so why do you want to exercise five days a week because I want to get healthy why do you want to get healthy because I want to feel better why do you want to feel better because right now I my kids want to play with me and I can't play with them. I can't run around the backyard and play with them. I'm too out of breath. I don't feel good. Now, I don't have kids. This is just I'm, I'm making up an example for you guys. And I do exercise five days a week. Okay, so why do you want to play with your kids? They're five years old, five, three and five years old, and they're growing up so fast. I don't want to miss these moments. So you're going to do that. You're going to keep doing that why and why. And then it's really going to bring you down to your values that like you love your family and you care about them so much. And you, by you exercising, you are preventing disease. That means you're more likely to be around to help them. When you are more fit and have more energy, you have more to give other people like your family. So you're going to go to this five or sorry seven why is deep to get this like core reason of why this is so important to you and then once you get that reason you're going to keep it by you so keep it by like if you're at your computer all the time put a sticky note at your computer if for something like exercise you want to see it first thing 
in the morning, then maybe put it in the bathroom mirror, something like that. You can and you can use multiple reminders too. I do stuff like that as well. And you really want to feel it, feel how good it's going to be to feel that way, to feel fit and energetic and that you can be there for your kids and tap into those feelings even before you have the results. And that's what we call embodiment. You're embodying the result that you want emotionally, which means you have a physiological response. I was blown away when I learned this. And it looking back, it sounds obvious, but I go I haven't gone in a while, but I, I used to go to a therapist and she told me that emotions carried a physiological reaction and space in your body. So I guess I understood that emotions cause a physiological reaction. Like you cry when you're upset. That's physiology. You have stuff coming out of your body. So there's a series of reactions that have to happen in your body for those tears to produce. But we don't think of our emotions having that impact on us day to day. But we have feelings every single day. And our thoughts create our emotions. If we, therefore, are choosing thoughts that make us feel bad all the time, we are going to hold that in our bodies and our bodies are going to feel bad. So by doing this why exercise and tapping into the feelings you want to cultivate, the vision you want to cultivate, you are going to you're going to release those chemicals that make you feel good, that that light your brain up, that make you excited. You want to start seeing yourself as the type of person who exercises five days a week. This is way more important than getting rid of junk food in your house. I guess that doesn't have to do with exercise, but this is way more important than belonging to a gym or something like that because people who really care about exercise, they will exercise no matter what, if they have a gym or not. I'm like one of those people. I really feel good when I exercise. So if I do field work in somewhere exotic, I will still do yoga or things that I can do just completely on my own without any equipment or facility. So you want to attach pleasure, desire, positive benefits to the thing that you want. And you want this to become stronger than the gain that you're already getting by doing what you're not doing. Whenever we make a choice, even if it seems like a bad one, there's always a gain to it. It's called the the second gain or the secondary gain. So for the exercise example, the gain that you're getting by not exercising is that temporary enjoyment of sleeping in or maybe laying on the couch, watching TV, things like that. And my coach told me this, and I love this, that there's two, you're going to feel hurt either way. So you get to choose what kind of hurt you want. With exercise, you're going to feel the pain of exercise. Let's be honest, 
no matter what exercise you do, even if you're doing very gentle yoga, there's going to be some level of discomfort. You're going to you're going to stretch or even just the habit change of like giving up your TV. So you're going to choose between two different hurts. The one kind of hurt is the discomfort, the pain that you might experience in exercise. I know I get out of breath and I really push myself sometimes. So that's the Or you're going to get the pain of feeling bad and having that temporary moment of happiness on the couch, but then feeling awful about the way you feel about your body overall. And and then also feeling shame for not doing it, feeling bad about not doing it. Again, we're talking about exercise here because it's a concrete example, but I would go to work and work on my manuscripts and just stare at the screen like just think in my head, I don't want to do this right now. I, I just, I have no motivation to do this. But when you train your brain to understand the why, to feel the good feelings of the manuscript being submitted, of it being out there, the blog posts, the cool research that you're doing, your whole why, what's it going to do for you in the future? That is where the motivation and the discipline to work on what you said you want to work on. And again, there's tons of like little habits that we could get into or even bigger habits to make you actually do the thing. But the most important thing is overcoming that resistance and then you will be able to figure it out somehow. You'll go to a YouTube video, you'll look it up on the internet, you'll fig- you'll find a means, you'll find a coach to help you, you will figure it out. The other thing that you want to do, and this is equally, maybe even, oh, I forgot one thing. With the the gains, too, that you get from accomplishing that activity, see if you can bring it outside of yourself. As well. So for the exercise example, how will exercise impact your family, your friends, your work? And that may seem frivolous. Your family is a little bit more obvious, but with work, if you have more energy, You are probably going to be more productive at work. You're probably going to be more excited at work. That could lead to a promotion. It could lead to a raise. That could lead to an extra vacation a year. Like really have fun with this exercise and see all of the ripple effects. And anytime that we are happier, to be honest, it has ripple effects. Just think about when you are around somebody who is complaining and miserable it brings you down. But when people are happy, excited, energetic, you want to be around that person and it sheds off on you and it makes you feel good. So there are ripple effects even beyond just your own goals. Now, the other thing you want to do is attach negative consequences to it. And like I said, this is super important because we avoid pain at all costs. There's examples with people who are, they meet somebody, they want to be in this relationship with them. Like I I watched The Bachelor, I used to, I haven't watched the latest season that much. But you'll see this in The Bachelor a lot where they're like, they really love this person and they want to give in to loving them, but they can't. They're like, I've been hurt in the past and there's something blocking them. And that's because they've attached so much pain to love that they don't want love anymore. Even though the even though being in love is a wonderful, fantastic feeling, being with somebody is incredibly pleasurable, but 
they have attached so much pain to this. Another example is when you indulge on something so much that it becomes like disgusting to you. So this can happen during food poisoning. I remember this one time, New Year's Eve, I had a shrimp salad and I threw up. And I actually still can eat shrimp. This is a bad example. But but for a while, I couldn't. And like the shrimp reminded me of the time that I got sick. And this happens really frequently with people who overindulge in alcohol. There's so many people who are like, I can't drink tequila anymore. I had a really bad experience about it. So they have attached so much negativity to that alcohol. They can drink vodka. They can drink gin. They can drink rum. They can drink anything else. But that tequila is so distasteful to them because they had that night of overindulging, which probably led to them throwing up a lot and really bad headaches the next day. So what you're going to do with the thing that you want to do is if you don't do it, what are all the negative consequences that you can attach to it? And go deep here. Look further into your life. So if you don't exercise for a year, what are you going, what is going to happen? To, you're you're going to be in the same place. You're going to feel crappy. You're going to not feel good about yourself. And is that what you want? And keep doing that 5, 10, 20 years. And then once you get to, to that many years, there might be legit health impacts that you might suffer from not adopting this habit. To, so really attach these painful consequences to that. So you see that doing this new habit that you already want to do, you want to do it, you're just not doing it, then when you see the negative consequences, that will be more of a motivating factor for you. So like I said, this has to do with exercise, but the whole point, and you're probably wondering, okay, well, this is like habit forming and things like that. Yes. But the whole point is I've seen so many people, and I've done this too, where you go to work and you just don't want to do the thing that you're supposed to do or that that ultimately you signed up to do. As I mentioned in graduate school, so many people have a hard time with their thesis. Like they don't want to work on it, but you signed up to get or their dissertation. Well, whatever, both. It doesn't matter. But you signed up to get a dissertation, to get a PhD. So you want to do it. You're just struggling with it because of whatever meaning you, atta- you attach. And we get to choose what meanings we attach to it. Like we can choose this is hard or a different meaning. I really hated data analysis, especially in R. And in my postdoc years, I started to change the way that I thought about data analysis because I was avoiding it like the play. Data analysis is so important as scientists. And eventually you get to your study and you got to analyze data for your paper and you can't move any further. But I would procrastinate it and want to work on other things and wait until like the time was right until I wanted to work on data analysis. And that was holding me back. So that's why I'm teaching you to deal with your mind so that you can overcome that resistance and then work on the thing that you need to work on. So for data analysis, one thing that helped me was to reframe the way I thought about it. Because I felt like I had so much stuff to do, I would think I need to do this data analysis as fast as possible so I can get out as many papers as possible and get a job. 
But that wasn't working for me because I would do data analysis. I'd be missing a comma or have, I don't know, some something off in my code that was minuscule and I'd spend hours or days on it and it wouldn't work and I would cry. <laughs> I really would. I'd be so frustrated. I'd cry. So then I started flipping my perspective on it and rather than seeing it as, okay, I have to do this as fast as possible, I was like, I'm going to use this opportunity as a way to learn R and become better at data analysis. And I thought about it more as like practice sessions. Even though it was not practice, it was really for research and my papers. But it took off that time pressure. Now, the deadlines were still there. I still had deadlines, but I let go of them and made the focus I am becoming better at R. This is teaching me how to use R and to do data analysis. And when I came, when there was a problem, I used it as an opportunity to learn. Oh, okay, that's why that's not working. It's really important to put this in the code or this is the way the code works. And even if it took me hours or days to solve a problem, I started changing and said, cool, I figured that out. I am learning how to use this. I am getting better at using So we can attach whatever meaning we want to to our situation. And I choose to attach meanings that empower me and that make me want to do what it is that I value and believe is ultimately important for me to do. So those are the majority of the tips. And then another small tip that I'm going to give you to work on today. I have a, another, I have a workshop coming up soon, so I'm a little bit hurrying right now. But the tip I want to give you today is that what can you do that you can commit to for at least a week, one small step that you can commit to that will get you closer to where you want to be and so that you can start embodying that version of yourself that has already accomplished that goal. For example, for the exercise one, and make it so easy. So that could be like putting on your exercise clothes every day. And you don't even have to exercise. You just commit to putting on your exercise clothes. But I guarantee you, if you put on your exercise clothes, you're probably going to do a little bit of exercise. And even if you don't, you might sit around and you'll still feel like a a fit, more fit person because you're in these cool exercise clothes. Or to do one push-up a day, or one crunch a day, or one stretch a day. Something so easy that you build up the momentum and you start building up the habit to what it is what you want to do. So don't go from zero to 60. Take some really little baby steps in between to get there. I know this was a little bit of a weird podcast for wildlife, conservation, nature, but I hope you use this to be able to overcome any issues that you're having and especially with wildlife conservation our issues are so tied up with our emotions not only because we care so much about what we're doing we care about wildlife we care about conservation but also my experience and I know a lot of others experiences is we aren't really built up to feel good about ourselves and so many of us have imposter syndrome so if you can use this to to work with your mind and to work with your mind to get the things you want done, you will be so much more efficient and therefore productive. 
Let me know how this works for you. I love hearing your feedback. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on my website, fancyscientist.com. I answer all my messages. Okay, guys, see you soon, and thanks for watching. Bye. Are you an aspiring or struggling wildlife biologist, ecologist, conservation biologist, or anyone interested in a career with wildlife? Join our community, the Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology Facebook group. Based on my book, Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology, What It's Like and What You Need to Know, this Facebook group is designed to connect, support, and inspire future and current wildlife professionals or those who can't get a job. Come for daily affirmations to lead you to career success, job postings, and profiles of professionals in cool jobs. If you're struggling, feel stuck, lost, confused, or are just worried about this career, reach out to me at stephanie at fancyscientist.com to schedule a free clarity call. I've talked to over 100 aspiring wildlife professionals and those struggling to get a job, and they've told me what I also experienced. Degrees alone do not prepare you for wildlife careers. You need the right combination of experience, education, network, and skills to land the job you want. You also need to be able to convey that on a job application and sell yourself to the employer. I've looked at over 100 cover letters and interviewed graduates. I can tell you for sure they are selling themselves short, not listing all of their expertise and not marketing themselves effectively. I've talked to potential students who have dynamic personalities and sound so knowledgeable and experienced in person, but when I look at their resumes or CVs, none of that is reflected. If what you have been doing is not working, it's not all of a sudden going to start working. It's time to make a change. If you want to get your dream job in the fastest way possible, schedule a Zoom meeting with me today. No matter what stage of your career you are at, from high school student to graduate searching for jobs, I can help you. It is never too early or late to start. If this episode helped you or someone you know, make sure to tag me on Instagram at fancy scientist, at fancy underscore scientist, and share this podcast with your community to continue spreading the word and reach more Also, be sure to leave a review on iTunes to receive extra positive vibes and love from me. Plus, you'll be helping me reach even more people with this important message. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every.